Welcome to Your Work, Your Way. This is the podcast where you learn to get in touch with your inner CEO with soul. Learn to take charge of your career. Learn to show up with confidence in a way that is aligned with who you really are. I'm your host, Lisa Filia, Masters in Psychology, Certified Life Coach, Expert Career Confidence Coach, and Founder of Believe C. Let's dive in. I have been looking forward to releasing this week's episode for months. So it's a bit different than any format we've ever done before on this podcast, but I think you're going to love it. It is a recording of an interview I was a part of where I was being interviewed for the This Messy Beautiful Life podcast. And the conversation was so good that I reached out to Aaron, the host of that podcast, to see if I could also share it with my own listeners on my podcast as well, because I think you are going to get so much from it. Aaron and I go deep into intuition. We talk about the difference between feeling afraid and anxious and thinking like that's an intuitive hit versus true, clean, pure, intuitive callings. We talk about letting go of control and what we do and don't have control over that we sometimes get confused about. We also dive into spirituality and each of us have our own stories that we share around religion versus spirituality and how we've differentiated those for ourselves and ways in which we see overlap and ways in which spirituality differs and the things that we enjoy about spirituality that sometimes can get lost in organized religions, depending on, on that format. And so there is a lot of different angles that this episode covers, but bottom line, you'll leave this episode understanding more clearly how to connect with you, knowing more about what it means to be you and to be from that connected place and how to use emotions to guide you in a way that feels called and led by that intuition, that spark within. And so I think you're going to love today's episode. Now, before I switch over to share that with you, I want to give an introduction to the incredible host of the This Messy, Beautiful Life podcast, which is what this episode was originally created and intended for and now has been expanded to be included on this podcast as well. So the host for that show, her name is Erin O'Donohue, and she is a coach and a mindset mentor. She shares that she's also a recovering overthinker, an imperfect human on a mission to live an intentional life and support others along the way. She is all about mind, body, and soul healing and supporting people to be their best in life and in work. Erin has a background in human resources, strategy, and innovation. She left the corporate world in 2018, started her own business, and since then, she's been undoing a lot of her own habits and some of those ingrained behaviors that can happen to us, especially ones that are focused heavily on that masculine energy. And I don't know about you listeners out there, but this is something I can relate with as well, this this world we live in, especially in, in Western culture, and this emphasis on doing and structure and this rigidness that comes from the masculine side, it of course serves a role, but sometimes can lead us to be overly focused on this hustle, do, achieve place disconnected from who we are. 
And so you'll see that come out a bit in today's episode that you're listening to as well. Uh, But it's something that I wanted to specifically call out here that Erin has been doing for herself and is now doing with her clients as well. So she shares that these days, Erin leans much more into her feminine energy, that flow, that creativity, that receiving and trusting of her intuition. And she's more deeply connected to herself and her purpose And she realizes her diverse experience, multi-passionate approach, and inability to fit into a box is her superpower. So enjoy getting to know Erin in this episode, as well as learning a bit more about the topics I, I mentioned are a part of it, and getting to know me in a different flavor as well, because you've seen me share my own stories by myself. And you've seen me interview people to glean insights from then. And and I'll share sparks of my story there, but this is a different format where I'm being interviewed. So you'll get a chance to get to know me in a different level. And I, and I hope you like that and enjoy that as well. Also, before I forget a couple things, first off, There is the exclusive podcast gift bundle where when you leave a review on Apple or the iTunes area, take a screenshot of that review and then email me at lisa at beliefseed.com just to let me know. And that way I'll have your email so I can email you back the gift bundle, which includes the decision-making 101 course, the guided process for how to connect and tap back into your inner self-confidence soul and the workbook on how to take charge of your career with three steps. All of those are yours for me to say thank you for your review. So email me at lisaatbeliefc.com with a screenshot of your review, and I will send those over to you. Also, you'll see in the show notes links to how to connect to Erin. She has her podcast, which I strongly recommend uh, you all connect with because if you like today's episode and this conversation, you're going to like the other episodes that Erin has to offer on her podcast, This Messy Beautiful Life. You'll also see how you can connect with her on social media as well as her website too. So that's available in the show notes along with the information on the podcast gift bundle, as well as information on how to connect with me so that you can stay in the know on all things coming. All of that in the show notes. Don't forget to check those out. And now I'll go ahead and hand it on over to the recorded interview. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another guest episode of This Messy, Beautiful Life, the podcast. I'm excited to have another wonderful guest here with me today, Lisa Filia. Hello, Lisa. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. Oh, thank you for jumping on. Now, you are a career leader and business coach who focuses on helping your clients do their work their way with soul, which I absolutely love. I love it too. I've I've been feeling like people think they're supposed to be professional and they make that mean separate from bringing themselves and their soul and their intuition into their work. And so I'm all about helping people bring it back together and doing that as leaders, as career professionals, as entrepreneurs, that we can be ourselves and use work as this spiritual journey that it can be. 
Mm, that's so great. I love that so much. And I think I can particularly resonate to that part of not being part of my journey when I was in that kind of more corporate world. It's much e- I found it much easier to be myself as an entrepreneur, but I think there's so much space for encouraging that for people wherever they are and whatever it is they're doing in their work. So that's so cool. I love it. So tell us a little bit more, Lisa, about your messy, beautiful life. What has gotten you to where you are today and in the work that you do helping people? Yeah. So my, the messiness that kind of comes to mind for me that really changed and shifted my whole, my whole life, my whole perspective was, it started the night before my wedding Mm -hmm. and I got so anxious that I couldn't sleep at all. And I really turned on myself in that night and got mad at myself, was frustrated with myself, uh, was in a panic. And I kept thinking about how so many people were coming to support me. And yet here I was, all I had to do was fall asleep and I couldn't even muster the ability to do that. And I was just so hard and critical on myself. Mm. And that I had never really had sleep issues before. And so I think for some people that might be, you know, kind of obvious, like, well, it's the night before your wedding. Of of course, (laughs) of course, you're going to be a little bit in a a nervous place, but I was kind of caught off guard about it. And I mean, the wedding was beautiful. Everything went, went well there, but what this did was it was like this catalyst where then before every big work event, I started to panic that I wasn't going to be able to fall asleep. And if I couldn't sleep, I wouldn't think clearly. And if I couldn't think clearly, my uh, ability to present my ideas was going to falter. And if that happened, I'd lose my job. And if I lost my job and I just kept going down the spiral. spiral. Yeah. Yeah. And at first it was the night before, but then the panic of course kept me up. And so then for the next work event, it became like the week before. And then it would be as soon as a work event would be booked, I would be already panicking. So it'd be like a month before. And it would get so bad that I would wake my husband up in the middle of the night, crying and sobbing and panicking and yelling that I couldn't figure this out. And I went and got some therapy and that, that did help me understand the problem, but it, it, I wasn't making any change. It wasn't changing how I was showing up. And so while the tools were really helpful, I want, I wanted more. And so then I also brought coaching into it and I learned how to process my emotions and I learned how to let myself feel anxious without making it into such a big deal. Mm. And I let myself see how not sleeping didn't have to be a problem. And that concept felt so foreign to me before then, because yeah, there's research that shows why we need to be able to fall asleep and all of, all of this stuff. And yet when I started to think that I should be able to fall asleep and I couldn't, and I used that and beat myself up for it, verbally attacking myself in the night and then being anxious about it, all it did was cause more turmoil. Yeah. And so by allowing it to be okay to not sleep and processing how I felt in the moment without adding anything to it, it calmed me down and then mm. I was able to sleep. And what that led to was this ability to not only know how to work with my anxiety at night, but, but then I like began applying it to work events, to meetings where I would be anxious to, uh, I was a trainer. And so then I started applying it to big trainings that I was leading 
And it led to a lot of benefits from a career perspective and promotions and things like that. But it all started with this, this messy story around not being able to sleep the night before my wedding. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. There's so much in there. Um, thank you for sharing that. There's so much in there, I think, to explore. Um, I guess the first thing that stands out to me is, you know, the power of our mind to run away with us and run away with itself and take us with it. Um, and how powerful it is having the awareness of what is happening and having those tools available to yourself to be able to I want to say take back control and it is take back control in a really positive way in a really positive way yeah yes and and also what you said about um the I guess the shame the shame and the lack of compassion that you were having for yourself and it seems like that was really such a key apart from the fact you had the tools to be able to work through the emotions it just feels like that's a real standout for me of, of learning to be more compassionate with yourself and remove the shame. Yeah, because it felt like it wasn't a real problem. I mean, other people have mm. real problems was kind of the voice in my head. And so this didn't feel like it was worthy of being compassionate to myself about. And so for for anyone listening, I would just offer, it doesn't matter what what the world thinks is a problem or what we tell ourselves is supposed to be a problem and not if it hurts, if it feels awful, then it's something for you to allow yourself to sit with and to have some compassion. Because the only way through what I've found, at least for me and my story is, is it usually starts with compassion. Oh, 100%. But isn't this the world kind of generally, I think we're changing, but generally geared in the opposite? you know, you're broken, you need to be fixed. Mm. This is not big enough for you to be stressed about. This is. Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually something that drew me to you is the idea that we're not broken. Mm. You'd you'd written that and, and you just spoke about it even now. I love this perspective of letting us be okay where we're at without it having to mean something's wrong with us. Doesn't mean we can't change and evolve and grow, but let's just embrace where we're at without it being a problem or something to solve for. Yes. Oh, amen to that. (laughs) A big (laughs) yes, big yes. Cause it's not, it really is not, it's not the way I was raised. It's not the way that the world that I've spent a lot of time in. And, you know, I spent so much time achieving thinking that I had to get things. I'm not a perfectionist, but get things really right and control things. And that's probably why I hesitate to use the word control before when I was talking about, you know, controlling our anxiety, because I think it's probably still got a negative connotation because of the way that I've tried to control my life. But I suppose it's taking control or taking your power back in a really positive way. Yeah. I I love the distinction you're putting here with, with the word control. Cause, cause I can so relate to what you're saying. There's so much that we try to control that we can't control. And yet that makes us lose sight of the things we can influence and impact. And it's hard to say really, like, what can we control? How do, how do we know? I mean, people say, well, control how you think or control how you feel, but what made those thoughts come into my head? I didn't, I didn't intend them there, but, but I maybe can choose how I respond to them. So I like this loose definition that we're playing with around 
self-control and just meeting ourselves where we're at and moving through it from that place. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really why, you know, it is more about taking back our power in whatever way that looks to us, which beautifully speaks to the work that you do about helping people find their own way, the way that is right for them, because your guidebook is not going to necessarily be my guidebook. There might be little things that you've done that I can pick up and find helpful, but, you know, we're we're all so unique, beautifully unique. And I think the more we do this work, the more we inspire that in people, the better the world will be because we've sort of almost been raised to be cardboard cutouts of one another and that there's a right way and a wrong way. And I just don't believe that to be true. Yeah. And this past weekend, I was at an event outside and they had somebody playing music and it had a good beat to it. And there were a lot of people there, but no one was really dancing. And I could tell that I wanted to dance. Mm. but I was honestly nervous about looking kind of foolish out there to dance. And so I noticed myself like half move sort of dance and sort of not dance in this awkward in between. And it just reminds me of this, of the work I'm still doing and, and myself and this ability to let it be okay to, to be you, to express yourself, to be unique in the way you want to, and to feel safe within yourself as you do it. And Next time, my goal is to actually full out dance the way I want to <laughs> dance at one of those events. But for right now, my current way of working through it is not shaming myself for not dancing, yeah. letting it be okay to meet myself in the anxious spot that I was in. And that's, that's the next step. That's the next phase. Yeah. And then I, moving through it. Yes, definitely. Because you're not going to go from being, you, 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 that's not you. You know, like sometimes we need time to warm ourselves up to it. And and I love that because there is so much temptation to be focusing on, again, I suppose it comes back to that, you know, what we can and can't control, focusing on what you didn't do in that moment as opposed to what you did do and what you will do next time. You know, it's that, it's that hope. It's that opportunity that is still sitting in front of us. And in a way, I think that's lovely because it gives you something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't require me to force anything. Cause, cause I know my tendency of the past is, okay, this is what I want to change about myself. Let me brute force into this mm. next version. And it's like, you're, you're pulling yourself through in such a way that maybe you even do the thing that you say you want to do, but you do it from a place of kind of punishing yourself along the way. And and I don't want that to be my way anymore. And so I think that that's where this kind of comes from for me. It's mm, beautiful. And I can definitely, definitely relate. And, you know, I love what you said too about, you know, this journey that you're on and this point that you're at, because, you know, this work is never really done. You know, we are all perfectly imperfect and human and again, you know, with the awareness and with the tools just comes an increasing ability to be able to deal with things, right? Yeah. I, I love that perspective. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit about some of more of the spiritual side of things. So um, let's talk about intuition. Now you mentioned before how important and powerful 
talk therapy can be and how it was an important part of your journey, but a kind of a starting part of your journey. And I can also really relate to that as well. It's something that I've done. It's something that I continue to do, but always felt like it was never quite practical enough or never quite able to then actually apply or I was having trouble shifting some things. But one of the things that I found so helpful has been learning to trust myself and learning to listen to my intuition. And this is something that I would love for you to talk to us more about because I think you've got some really practical things to share with us about intuition and what people can do. Well, maybe we start with what it is and then what people can do to actually strengthen that. Yeah. And I'm so glad you tied the two together the way you just did. That was beautiful. And I think what what it hints at and what it gets to is this idea that sometimes we try to build this trust and this connection to our intuition through our mind. Like we try to talk ourselves or logic ourselves into feeling different or into trust or into this new approach when that is like we talked about a a great kind of place to start, but to really get to that deeper understanding of who we are kind of beyond the mind itself requires tapping into that deeper self-trust, which comes from that intuitive connection to who we are, that, that energy within each and every one of us. And so you, you ask what intuition is. And, and for me, the way I, I work with my clients in it is it is that part of us that lives on that's beyond this physical human self that we are. It's the energetic essence. And some people call it intuition. And some people think of it as their true self or their real self or their spirit or their soul. Whatever word you use to to talk about it though, it represents that timeless aspect of you that's eternal, that is in my experience, always confident because it's always connected to the truth that you are worthy, that you are this representation of all that is the energy within everything in you is you. And so that to me is how I like to think about intuition. Intuition is, is often the word we use to talk about tapping into that knowing that inner wisdom, that inner guide that we each have, that we each are, but can sometimes lose sight of. Mm, Yes. And how, I mean, have you, I mean, I don't know if you've thought about this, but how can you see or the difference or even the interconnection between your intuition and your anxiety? Mm, I love that. Okay. So when I think about that, I think that every emotion has wisdom to share. It's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. So emotions like anxiety can be this representation of, of a disconnection or of the ego side of us needing some sort of support or requesting something of us. And so we can think of, I heard this quote before that was that fear is, is intuition in a lack mentality. Mm. And so we can use that when we think about anxiety and think about what is this here to tell me? What is, what is my anxiety wanting me to know? And the first thing it might say is, you're in danger, yeah. <laughs> but we want to go a layer deeper. Okay. What do we think we're, we're nervous about? We're worried our boss is going to reject us. Okay. Okay. So here we can see the intent. The goal is to keep us uh, having support. That's all that the anxiety wants is it wants support. It wants to feel like we're not going to let others down because then we have support. 
And so then what we can do is we can help ourselves see, well, how do we already have support? And what does it even mean to uh, be supported? And how can we support ourselves? And what if we already have that? And, And we can start to use the anxiety as a clue into what we're really seeking and what we're really not realizing that might even already be there. And so it, it, it can almost be a, a guidepost when we let ourselves use it in that way. Yes, I love it. You know, and, and that's for me speaks to, you know, having this connection because for me, and I don't know, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are or what your interpretation is, but for me, my intuition sits in my body, um, whereas my anxiety sits in my brain. Um, and you know, one of the things that I love to talk about is, you know, the body, mind and soul connection. And so, you know, and you've just described it in a different way, but bringing those two together, what is my brain telling me that I then need to feel into my body to actually go deeper and then to my, to my soul as well. Cause that's obviously intuition. Mm, yes. Okay. I like how we're both talking about this in such different ways because yeah. Who knows how the different language can resonate? And I think it's expanding the conversation, at least for me. So thank you for sharing that. I I agree in the way you're you're describing this as anxiety is in the mind. It's 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 maybe more of the the ego-driven scarcity place. And so one of your other questions was around how do we what are, what are some practical tips to connect to intuition? And I think that's where, yeah, the body part comes in. Our body doesn't lie to us in the same way that our mind can feed us these stories. And so if we can get into our body, which sounds can sound very abstract. So I'd love, I can share some, some tips and I'd love to hear your own thoughts on this too. Cause I'm, I'm sure that you you've got some cool things to share there, but it's this idea about getting regrounded within yourself. And yeah. so like right now, I just naturally put my hands on my chest or on my heart. And so that's one way to remind myself to be connected with me. Or if I'm feeling really stressed, I'll close my eyes and I'll take an exhale out and I'll Mm -hmm. remind myself to get out of the spinning swirl of everything around me and back grounded in who I am and, and what I can offer. And if I feel really anxious about it, or maybe it's even more of a frustration or a sorrow I'll take some deep exhales out. And with each exhale, I imagine the emotion is releasing. I'm inviting it to let itself go. If it feels ready to do so, I'm inviting my body to, to transform how it's feeling into something new, into that greater connection to who we, who we are. And it's a way to use the body to heal. Mm. Uh, yeah, I love that too, because it not only distracts then our very busy mind, if it's anxious, but also, you know, things like even visualizations or are just as powerful to our brain. It doesn't know the difference between something actually happening versus what it's imagining. So I, I love that as a really, I'm such a big fan, you know, as someone who has a busy brain and um, you know, has, has suffered and continues to suffer from anxiety. I love anything that actually gives the brain a focus and takes it away from, you know, you mentioned before the spiral of thinking sometimes too, my thinking goes in a loop and it just kind of breaks that, that habit and that pattern and that loop. I think what I, what I used to do, which wasn't working for me was I would try to logic myself out of the feeling. 
I would try to rationally argue with myself about why what I was thinking was foolish. But I think (laughs) we are not, we are not as rational as we like to make ourselves out to be. We as in humans at large. And so we, if we can, if we can work with the humans that we are, the emotionally driven humans that we are and see the emotions, not as something to logically rationalize, but as something to feel and to express and to accept and to process out of the head, into the heart, into the body. I think it can help, help us use the mind as an advocate for our intuition and our calling, as opposed to this limiter that it can sometimes become. Mm, definitely. And I see it as, you know, bringing it together as opposed to having like, you know, basically said pulling in different directions, but working in harmony. And yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the connection that we're seeking, I suppose, is to be, well, I know that I am my full entire self, as opposed to this head that used to be floating on this body doing all these crazy things and just not having this, this deeper connection to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'll catch myself sometimes notice that I'm really hungry or I have to go to the bathroom. And that's, that's my sign that, okay, I've been way too in the cerebral, way too mentally Mm -hmm. processing. It's time to get back in touch. Cause there's, there's really no reason to not go to the bathroom when you have to go to the bathroom. If, if you, you know, there's, there's no logical explanation other than I'm just so out of my body. And so it's a, it's a clue to me to get tapped back in, reconnect. Oh and leave my goodness. There. Yes. I, it's like, why do I, cause I do that too. It's like, why do we do that? Just, if you need to go, just go. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that as a very practical tip for now. To stop and think about in those moments when it actually happens, is it because I'm too in my head? Thank you for that. That's a beautiful, it's a beautiful gift. Because I do sometimes wonder that. Why don't if you just need to go? Why don't you just go? (laughs) Oh, too much information for everybody listening. But that's like a big aha moment for me. I love that. Um. Another thing that I love to do is, um, you know, because I sometimes think, often think too, you know, like our intuition is probably a little bit more related to, you know, the feminine kind of energy. Um, And I always then attach feminine to kind of mother nature. And so another thing that I love to do when I'm up in my head is literally take myself out and ground myself in like putting my feet on the grass in particular or, you know, in the sand if you're close enough to the beach, but particularly just really, and it can a combination of what you're doing, you know, the deep breaths, but even just kind of really focusing on the magic of Mother Nature, that has really helped me and really helps ground me in those moments. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that can make such a difference. And in those moments, I... I know for me, my mind will sometimes say, but you have to get this done. You have to get this done. But sometimes the quickest way to get it done is to take the break because then you can reset and then you can think more clearly and maybe come to an even better, quicker, more efficient solution. 100%. Oh yes. That's been such a big learning for me as well of, of the power of working when you're actually in flow versus when you're trying to push through. And I think that's that's probably another thing, you know, that real connection to intuition of really listening to, no, this is not the right moment for me to be doing this. Yeah. And I think that brings 
up another question of, well, what does it mean to listen to our intuition? And what I find when I'm working with clients is intuition can look different or sound different or be different for all of us, depending on our own, our own connection. And so for some of us, it's like this quiet whisper. Like it's literally like you can almost hear it when you get still. And for others, it's this more of a bodily sensation where you'll get like a gut instinctual full body. Yes. Or no for others, it's imagery. All of a sudden an image will pop to mind about something. Uh, And sometimes it speaks to us in terms of like lyrics of a song. I'll be, I'll be stuck and I won't really know what to do, but then I'll go take a shower and a song will come to mind. And in that moment of lightness, if I think about the lyrics of the song and what it represents to me, it has wisdom in it. It gives me a solution. And sometimes the way intuition talks is through experiences, is through um, you you ask a question and you don't get an answer, but the next day it seems like serendipity that all these circumstances came together and yet it's the answer you were seeking. And so it always tries to find the, the easiest way in. And so one, if we can be really grounded and open and light and a little bit carefree about it, it helps us to hear it. And so I think that's another reason the walk can help so much as well and being out in nature. Uh, But two is not taking it so seriously. I I know for me, I used to be really rigid about it, (laughs) but if I can just kind of dance, so that's another way I'll start, I'll dance to music or I'll start to just journal without any need for a goal to be, or a problem to be solved. But these are all different ways it can, it can speak to us or we can respond to it. And honestly, even sometimes other people are, are signs from our intuition where they'll say something and you don't know why, but it just kind of sticks with you. And yes. you, it's like, you know, that you saved that memory for a reason, or you had that conversation for a reason. And you don't quite know why yet you'll know it, it'll, it'll come to light. It'll have a purpose. Mm. Yeah. And I love, you know, the bit about, you know, it's different for all of us. And so I think that first thing of really just starting to explore what that is for anyone who's early on this path and is trying to figure this out is really just to listen to all of those different kind of descriptors that you have just put out and see, I guess that first thing, feel into it and see if anything really resonates. I think that's a beautiful way. And and then the other piece that you said just about being open to receive, being open to receive the signs and here's where we let go of control <laughs> um, to go back to our earlier conversation and really just be be open to what's coming and in the way that it's meant to come up. And if I even think about this, if someone's sitting there kind of rolling their eyes because I think about the version of me maybe four or five years ago, I probably would have been like, Ooh, I'm not sure what quite what you're talking about here. Yeah. Um, you don't need to automatically trust this stuff. It's okay to be curious, but a little bit skeptical. But there is a need or a willingness that's required to be open. But ask for signs. Ask for signs from the universe or from your intuition or from your body or wherever it feels comfortable ask for little signs and just, again, have a willingness to be open to whatever comes up, I think is is part of the key. And then over time, you'll start to, in my experience, get the evidence that you need 
that, yes, this is how it works for you or this is what you might need a little bit more of. Yeah. And I know for me, when I was a child, I, I was pretty religious and in a very formal sense. And I remember I would, was praying to God once asking for a sign to prove that God existed. And I remember sitting by my bed, praying on my knees, asking this question more like demanding it Mm. and hearing nothing. And I remember that was the moment when I separated myself from my, the spirit within, because I just felt like so betrayed. And if there was a God, how could that, how could he or she, or it be so cruel? And I just detached from everything. And so it's, it's been a really long journey for me to reconnect to this, this part, because whether you call it God or the universe or whatever, it's, the intuition from, from the way that I teach it and and see it is that connection to divine. Yeah. It's the bridge. So it took me a long time to build enough trust, not just with me, but with this idea of all that is, because I felt like I had been, uh, ignored, rejected. Yeah. And so the way that I started building it back was love letters to myself Mm. for 30 days. I got out a journal and I just wrote myself love letters. And I didn't know why I was doing it at the time because this was before I became very spiritual. I just knew that I was really struggling with shame and self-criticism and all of the judgment. And I just wanted some love. And so I just started writing these letters to myself every day for 30 days. And the first day felt ridiculous. The second day I was rolling my eyes. The third day I was really judging it, but kept doing it anyways. By the fourth day became more open. Mm. And by day 30, I felt like I was channeling something beyond myself. Like it was just flowing out all this love. And I had no idea kind of where it was coming from. And what I had done was I had through this gentle practice of writing each day, I reopened my acceptance of the idea of love and for myself first allowed me to get into this, this energy of love for all that that all that is. And I felt reconnected to the universe, to God, to whatever, whatever word you want to use for it. And my relationship at that time was still a little like hot and cold with the Mm -hmm. idea of, is there a God? Isn't there a God? But it allowed me to get back into connection with myself, which then has allowed me to see the signs in front Mm -hmm. to, to experience God in a different way than what I thought it had been before or what it was supposed to look like. So, so if you're out there looking for a sign, what I'd offer is when you make the request, don't do it from a place of rigid skepticism because a skeptical lens is not going to see you're open and you play and you're lighthearted about it. That's where it can come through. Yes. That is such a beautiful example of, I think, the early stages of listening to your intuition because you, you know, the logical, rational part of yourself was rolling your eyes and thinking it was silly, but you followed the nudge. Like it's it's a nudge. It's a nudge that says, mm, maybe explore this. And it comes back to what I love to talk about is life is an experiment, right? So what was the worst thing that was going to happen if you did that 30 days of, of love letters to yourself and nothing kind of happened? Well, 
there's no risk to that really. I mean, you know, obviously that's not where we are and it would have take, could have taken you off on a totally different journey, but it's, I think, asking the question, what have I got to lose? And usually the answer is nothing. Yeah. You know, and there's yeah. something in your heart, in your intuition, telling you to follow that little thread. And I love that. Do we dare talk a little bit about religion versus spirituality? <laughs> I'm game for it. Sure. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, because I, you know, I think, you know, so I was raised a Catholic, um, but quite early on probably questioned that and, and was not super connected to it. And a little bit similarly to you, then my faith was connected to that religion that I no longer resonated with. And so I kind of, I was quite an intuitive child. Um I was probably, I was into more spiritual kind of things as a teenager, but then it completely went away. And I can resonate a lot with what you're saying. I don't necessarily think I asked, ever really asked for a son. I just gave up. And I can remember at some stage in my 20s, although I didn't resonate with religion and find that a lot of the things like shame, judgment, um, sameness, uh, encourage as opposed to the types of things that I think you know, spirituality can encourage. I remember thinking, I really wish I believed in something bigger than myself because through good times and bad times, I would have something to believe in. And I think even that was probably a little bit of my intuition trying to come through to say, there is something you just need to find it, but also it will come as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say has been the difference for you with, with where you're at now with your spirituality? The difference was, you know, I was lucky to be, you know, surrounded by people, you know, people came into my life then probably about eight years ago. Gosh, time is just going by so fast. That really were quite connected to their intuition, who were really spiritual, who um, I guess encouraged me to look at things a different way and to come back to myself. And the big difference is a lot of, you know, what you what you've spoken about is just this healing journey of learning that, you know, I am me and that is okay. Yes, you know, I have healing to do, I have work to do, but I am always supported, always guided, always looked after and headed in, you know, taken in the direction that. I'm meant to go in. Um, I think that's been, you know, a bigger, a big thing, even just recently in the last 12 months or so, just this trust, trust in myself, trust in this thing bigger than myself. And interestingly enough, you know, I did this last year, 33 days of joy, similarly to your 30 love letters. There's lots of beautiful synchronicities coming up in this conversation of, I didn't know why I needed to do it. I just knew that I needed to do it and I needed to follow my joy. For, and I, you know, 33 days, angel numbers, but I've gone off on a tangent. I've gone off on a tangent, but um, there are just lots of beautiful, yeah, synchronicities in this conversation. But I think, yeah. yeah, that, that journey away from, and it's not a judgment on anybody that chooses to follow a religion. I think there's lots of lovely things that come through community and connection, but it's not been my experience. And it sounds a little bit like maybe it's not been yours either. Yeah, I think I think for me what what turned me away from religion and I was raised Methodist was it felt like it was saying God is outside of me. 
And as soon as you make God separate from you, you make you not spiritual, not part of that energy. And it's the most, to me, isolating, lonely feeling to think, to think in that way. It feels so alone. And I don't know. I don't know the benefit of that though. I do. I do appreciate everyone does have their own journey. And so for some, perhaps the way, like whether you go from like down up or up down, you're still kind of going on the same path. So maybe for some, that's the way back to self-trust and for others, the way there is through themselves and out first. So, so whatever works for you, but I think if whatever you're believing or you've been taught to believe, if it feels self-supportive, if it feels good in the sense of this feels right, this connects, this feels self-loving, then lean in. And if it feels like it's limiting in in any way, then that's where I would start to question, like, is this, is this the fit for me? Yes. Yes. And, And often I think the challenge or the tension I have is that often built into religion is the fact that if you question things, if you question the way things are practiced in that religion, that's not a good thing. And I'm not like that fundamentally just does not align with my values because I think questioning is really healthy. Mm, Yeah. And I think you're, you're getting to, um, humans have inserted themselves into religion. Like our, our ego mind is trying to control. There's that theme again. And religion has been used as a way to control as opposed to, as a way to build a sense of community and camaraderie. And and so I think maybe that's where some of the formalities of religion has, has caused some problems when it comes to that spiritual connection. Yes. But isn't it beautiful that the world that we live in now where it's becoming much more acceptable to follow your own path, you know, whether it be in in your job, in your work, in your purpose, your passion, your religion, whatever it is, is that more and more we are talking about broader concepts of spirituality, of connection to something larger. Like I even had a problem for a long time, even calling the universe God. And now I'm like, oh, I use the words interchangeably, God, universe, spirit. And, you know, like my mother-in-law is quite, you know, Catholic. And, you know, she said something to me one day, oh, do, you know, do you pray? You know, do you pray to God? And I had, to, I think I kind of avoided the question. But I'm like, I do, just in a different way to you, you know, like we haven't had that conversation necessarily, but I do. And I can now really comfortably say yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because when I'm working with clients and, and I coach them on their career, but I bring intuition into it, some of them are very religious, but I'll just use the words that they use, but I'm teaching the same concepts. And so we all have our own way there. And for me, it was needed to be separate from an organized religion, but for others that might be the way. And, and I think one thing that is beautiful about the sense of, of a religion or a spiritual practice, one the individual component, but two, I like the idea of bringing it back to a sense of community. And so finding, mm-hmm. finding your own tribe, finding people who you can have these conversations with, finding a way to still get that sense of, of connection. Cause I, after you have that connection with yourself, 
I find the next step is often true, genuine connection with others. Mm. You found you, how can you bring you to others? And that's where we want to get back then to the sense of community, which sometimes means finding another club or event or way to get back in touch. Yes, uh, 100%. And I think, I guess that middle part is an acceptance that sometimes the people that were in your life are no longer as aligned to this, I want to say new version, your next iteration of you. And some of them will, will fall away. Some will still be there, but relationships might change. And I think that's something that, you know, we don't necessarily talk about how hard that can be losing relationships along the way but again just honoring that for the time that they were in your life that it was beautiful and they were supportive and it was what you needed and then kind of moving on to that next bit yeah I know that is that is a good point I think I think we think if at least for my experience if it feels like it's the right next step then it seems like it shouldn't feel hard, but, but it's still hard. It's still grieving. It's still letting go of an old identity or an old relationship. Mm, I think that's beautiful, actually, like that differentiation between just because it feels right, doesn't necessarily mean it will be easy. Yeah. Like, it's almost like, you know, it's the next right thing for you to do. So yeah, that, that difference between that, that, duality of that feeling of right versus uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is where our feelings can get so complicated because Mm. if something feels good versus feels bad, like I'd like to just be like, feels good, do it. Feels bad. Don't. Yes. And for many times that is the case, but like we just pointed out here, sometimes you still move forward even in the discomfort. And I think that's when the discomfort is about shedding an old identity, an old version of you. Mm. And it's still a release process, which can have some turmoil to it. Yes. And just as we're talking about this, it's made me, I don't know if this resonates for you or if it makes you think of anything else, but it's made me think about, I used to always think, I I thought, yeah, of course, that's maybe the problem I was thinking, but that what felt right would feel exciting. Whereas what I've learned is that often what feels right is neutral for me from an emotional perspective. So I think of the example that comes to mind is this house that we're currently staying in, in Bali. When I saw it, I felt complete neutrality. It did, it ticked all of the logical boxes. And then I kind of, you know, put it to the side, but then I came back to it. And I was like, in the past, I would have thought, I have to feel excited. I have to feel really. But actually, what I've learned is that my intuition is neutral. Mm, I love that. Okay. It's making me think about our conversation around emotions before. And when I think about emotions, I see our ego as having emotions Mm. like anxiety or excitement. And I see those as ego emotions or mental emotions. And our soul doesn't really have emotions because it's more of this quality. It's this timeless abundance. And so even emotions that feel good are in my experience, ego-based. So they're not always 
they're not always indicators of, of what to do. They're more so clues as to where your ego is in relation to your soul and that intuition. It's a symbol and it's a cue for you, but it doesn't necessarily mean like a black and white yes or no. And, and I love that you pointed that out. My, my intuition is it's similar where it's this neutral point mm. between the emotional wave. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that. Oh, I feel like we could just go so much deeper into this, but I'm so mindful of, um, you know, the time and all of that sort of stuff. But yes, I love this bit. And and again, I hope that that's, this helps people um, further connect to their intuition and start to be really curious and explore what that actually looks like and feels like. Um, for them as well. So just before we wrap up, I would love to know, Lisa, what it is that truly brings you joy, that lights up your soul, and when was the last time you did it? Mm, I would say we talked about nature earlier, and one of my favorite things to do is to just go outside and hear the birds. Just hear birds singing. And there's something that's so simplistic about it where you're just with nature. You're just out there. You're just experiencing it. And they just sing any morning, any weather, any day, no matter what's happening in the world, Mm. they just keep singing. And I think it reminds me kind of of the the soul inside. It just keeps singing whatever's happening and and it reconnects me to that. And I do it pretty much every morning. I let my dog outside. So it makes it kind of easy, an easy way to be like, oh, there are the birds again. Love it. Um, Yeah. And there's actually, I mean, you may know this, but um, there's actually like evidence that says that bird song actually speaks to I think it's a regulator for our nervous system I'm gonna have to look that up but there is actually evidence that talks to the power of the the sound of the birds for our physicality as well so not to take away from the beautiful spiritual symbolic I love the way you just described that as well but again it just kind of brings together this power of the mind body soul connection and i love that we're starting to find out more and get more backing for the things that we in our intuition in our body know are good for us so thank you for sharing that yeah i i feel like science um in the in the sense of how we we use observable data and all of that science kind of flirts with spirituality. And it's kind of been doing that for all of the time. And so we'll have an insight on one side and then the other side has a way to describe it. And sometimes it feels like they're contradicting, but I think the more we explore this roller coaster, we see how they intertwine and how they're kind of telling the same story. And whether we talk about it because it feels like a spiritual connection to joy when I hear the birds or the science of it regulating the nervous system, whichever way in helps you go for it. And it's just, I love that you shared that study. I didn't know. And it's such a beautiful symbol of, like you said, how it all does come together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so much. I mean, I also too, I love the fact that particularly for the skeptics that, you know, there is getting more and more evidence, but then also I do love the bit. Sometimes things just 
feel damn good and you don't need to understand why there's something bigger than us there is something magical happening I'm all about just embracing that some things are just magic and we don't need to understand it yes (laughs) so tell us Lisa where can people find you online of course everything will be in the show notes but where do you hang out most um, and where can people connect with you yeah. So, uh, my company is called belief seed. So you can go to beliefseed.com and you'll see some of my free resources and things there. I also have an Instagram account at belief seed. And then my podcast is called your work, your way. And that place talks about career and spirituality and bringing it all all together there as well. Beautiful. Definitely go and check that out, people. Lisa, it has been such a joy speaking with you and going off on all the tangents. And I love all of the little synchronicities that we've had during this chat today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you everyone for joining us. Please connect with Lisa and I. Let us know what you thought about the episode, what resonated with you, if you have any questions for us. And please share with your network as well because we are keen to get this conversation out more broadly into the world so that people learn that they can trust themselves and connect into that power of following their own path. So until next time, much love. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you loved what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I help my clients to show up and do their work their way with soul. Whether it's so you can excel in your current role or so you can figure out what you want for your next role and get that role, coaching can help you get there. It begins with a consult. Sign up for yours by going to believeseed.com slash schedule. This is your free call and it is that first step towards that new life, that transformation into you doing your work in your way with salt.